Hey folks, Zach Oshman here, IU Insider, Indianapolis Star. It is a rainy May 18th. This is Mind Your Banners, and we have a good friend back in the Fold Chronic. It's been a while since we had you on there here. To be fair, it's been a while since we did this regularly because not long after the basketball season ended, I went back on paternity leave. So I think Dustin and I have only done one or maybe two of these since basketball season ended. But it's been even longer than that since uh, we have heard your angelic voice that wonderful smooth baritone how are things with you things are currently muted right now but i think i got that fixed no things are good uh things are good you know to be fair uh your employer continues to invest in its its coverage of uh, indiana athletics so dustin has has filled in and done a wonderful job here uh allowing me to go on and do my 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 crazy things that i do when we're not talking together uh but been keeping really busy uh, we are we are limping to the uh, the finish line of of another school year here, at least as far as MCCSC school is concerned. Uh, obviously, campus been uh, been in summer mode now for going on a week and a half, and you know we're we're doing our best to take full advantage of that because as I say every year, uh, this time of year is honestly what keeps me and my family in town right now. We we love us some B town summer love us some patio season, uh, and getting ready for some lake season as well. So. We are uh, we're heading headlong into that and and just hoping that uh, the kids get advanced to the next grade. I think we're on a good track so far, but uh, we're not counting our chickens until uh, and, until we see that final progress report. Yeah, I mean, this is, I guess, from the perspective of, of this podcast, this is the quietest time of year. From the you know, for for IU athletics, the, the academic year is over. This is the time of year when the vast majority of athletes are gone one of the few sort of gaps in the schedule where they're, you know, they can be on campus if they want, but like, there's not a lot of organized stuff that doesn't really fire up until the end of this month, really more the beginning, middle of next month. Um, I like you love B-Town summer. And I love this, this period in particular, because it's not too hot yet. The weather's still good. And it is a bit of kind of a, a time. I don't know. I won't say necessarily for rest. Cause I mean, I'm still doing a lot of work, but being able to dig into stuff that, that doesn't, uh, you know, that, that I can't always fit during kind of the daily grind. And then also, and this is kind of the, the purpose of this podcast as I crowbar this segue in, it's also kind of the, the moment when you really start to turn your attention toward next season. And, and in particular, thinking about, you know, for me, things like travel schedules and booking flights and all that. And I think the first thing we're going to lead off talking about today um is it looks like it's going to be a very busy year for IU basketball, a very busy November and December for IU basketball. We've already uh, known for a while about the home and home series. The Hoosiers have set up with Kansas. That'll send them to Lawrence this year. Um, Details are not yet finalized per my understanding, but the intention is very much there to play Arizona and Las Vegas the weekend before that. So those, those two big December weekends, Indiana is going to be in primetime games. December 10th and December 17th. Uh, Obviously, you've got an ACC Big Ten Challenge opponent, presumably at home. North Carolina is a possibility based on current rotations. And then I would be very surprised not to see Indiana in the Gavit games again this year. This is the last of the sort of seven initial years of the run of that series. I don't know if it's going to be extended or not. I think it might be. Uh, But Indiana was supposed to be committed to five of seven years in that cycle. They've done four. So, 
I mean, this schedule, Mike Woodson, I, I wrote something that, that was that went up this morning. Mike Woodson uh, promised that once he felt like his team was was kind of comfortable with the way he wants to do things, he was going to start scheduling like this. And, and I mean, he is, for lack of a better term. Yeah, I, I think it's um, it's certainly a step in the direction. I personally wanted to see the the schedule go. Uh, obviously, last year was was extraordinarily soft uh, in terms of the non conference schedule. Um, and, and really, IU's been trying to kind of find its footing ever since the uh, the the Kentucky leg of that component of the schedule got pulled out from underneath it. Uh, what, 2012, I think, was the last time they played that game. Um, or no, it was it was 11, actually, wasn't it? It was the 11-12 season. It was that season, yes. It was December yep. whatever, 2011. Yep, yep. So, you know, we're now a decade past that. And Indiana has really struggled to figure out uh, what needs to go there, what's the uh, the best mix. And part of it is, you know, you've had multiple coaching changes take place over that span. And obviously that imports different philosophies. Uh, but I think what's remained constant there is, is both the fan base, the administration, I guess the more amorphous program as a whole has, has been trying to figure out exactly what needs to fit there and what's the best balance for Indiana. And uh, I, I think you're you're seeing it head back towards um, a position where perhaps they uh, they they find a little more balance, a little more relevance, a little more prominence. Um, you know, and coincidentally, they happen to find themselves uh, with what seemingly looks like a, a program that's going to be on par for uh, the type of schedule they're trying to build. At the very least, I think um, you'll have a much clearer sense here heading into uh, the next season before the, the, the conference portion of the schedule begins, exactly what type of a, uh, a contender Indiana may have on its hands, you know, and, and I, I think I have to condition all this, you know, we did have non-conference just two years ago at the onset of COVID, uh, or well, at you, least you did, the first full was, season. It was, it was very abbreviated. Yeah. They played in Maui and they played their, their prior commitments. Other than that, there was, there, there was not a lot of aggressiveness for something like in Arizona. You know, to say right. like, because my understanding, at least as things are exist right now, is this Arizona game, I, I think, is just going to be a one off. Like, I don't think this is the beginning of some neutral home home series like they had with Louisville. You probably wouldn't have pursued something like that um, if it wasn't already on the books for 2021. But I think you hit a, a couple of things there that are more core to this. And the first one is a big one, which is. I think Indiana has been struggling to figure out how to replace Kentucky on the schedule. And obviously there are fans who say, well, just go get Kentucky back on the schedule. You know, it takes two to tango in that situation. Um, I'm not saying Kentucky absolutely won't do it, but remember that, you know, you can have all the will in the world. That doesn't mean it can just necessarily happen. Um, the other kind of piece of that though is, and I've said this before about the Crossroads Classic, obviously I think, you know, both Indiana and Louisville hoped that that series would prove to be more fruitful than ultimately it did with the coaching changes and everything that happened kind of in the midst of it. There's a lot of things Indiana's done scheduling-wise in the last few years that would have made a lot more sense if there had been a marquee game above it. Crossroads Classic being a good example. Crossroads Classic was a great sort of, you know, undercard. I know it came after the Kentucky series on the schedule, but a great undercard to the Kentucky game. It was good for your – it was good for your – your non-conference schedule, if there was something bigger than that, absent your conference-level TV commitments that you could kind of hang your hat on, that's what Indiana's been struggling to find again here. 
obviously last season, Mike Woodson again said he wasn't going to push his team too hard too early. But now I think what you see is maybe finding a little bit of that. I mean, maybe this is over marquee because now you're doing Arizona and Kansas, the reigning Pac-12 champion and the reigning national champion in the same offseason. But um, it's 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 looking for those sort of centerpieces again that would make a Gavit games when the Gavit games can be the fourth best non-conference game on your schedule. It's a lot better than when it's the second best non-conference game on your schedule, essentially. You know, I, I recently described it um, and speaking with a friend, this is, this is kind of like when you're building a meal, you know, you, you obviously uh, you start with an entree and, and then you build around it. And, you know, Kentucky had, had historically been, the premier entree on the schedule. Um, you know, you look at things like Crossroads Classic, the Gavit Games, Maui, um, some of those other, uh, you know, the ACC Big Ten Challenge, um, you know, those have consistently served as as premium sides, if you will. Um, you know, things that are also, you know, kind of part of the set of your plate. And then everything else is just the filler, the appetizers, the hors d'oeuvres, uh, just the, kind of the throwaway sides, the obligatory. The, and Indiana, um, you know, they, they made it a point in, in their in their coaching contracts to incentivize um, something that wasn't just straight fluff, because after after Kentucky got removed, um, you know, Tom Crean uh, tended towards the, um, the the path of least resistance, if you will, in the non-conference. And, you know, consistently we're playing sub three Ken Palm 300 teams. And it, it was just a really lackluster, really empty schedule. Um Archie obviously had his own struggles with that. I think what he tried to fulfill the obligations, um, you know, to the fan base and, and to his contract to get that bonus that, uh, if, if memory serves, was was contingent upon that scheduling. Uh, he was also just trying to get his team in the tournament and save his job. And uh, that was something where I think because of some of those struggles, and a large part of that I think was tied into just the, the program's health as a whole, um, it, it really seemed kind of listless. And, and, and meandering as far as its purpose, it's what, what the goals were. Um, I, I think last year, at least personally, uh, I felt like Woodson was given a pass mainly, mainly because he had to figure out what he had, um, how, just how everything worked, being a first-year college coach. Um, but more than anything, just kind of figuring out the lay of the land, both locally as well as regionally in the conference. Uh, I think what you see reflected in this schedule um, this is like going from from fast food, though, to now you've got steak and lobster on, on the menu. You have two premium entrees in a Kansas um, and an Arizona matchup um, at a point in the season where you've had a chance to kind of get out and let the guys work up a, a little bit of a lather, uh, you know, put a month or so underneath their belt and then, you know, roll the ball out and see where your team stands. Um, you know, obviously there's, there's still the, the news of Trace Jackson Davis future yet to come. Um, but even independent of whether he stays or whether he goes, I, I, I think this is a, uh, a team that, that feels like it's going to be in a more competitive position than it was last year. And, you know, if you're feeling good about it, you're, you're coming off a little momentum from last season. Um, I fully support. Let's go ahead and, and, and schedule some marquee matchups and see where you stand heading into, uh, you know, a conference season where I would expect, you know, Indiana is going to be picked somewhere top five um, without trace, maybe top six or seven with trace, probably top three. Uh, and, and this is a, uh, this is a non-conference schedule as, as little as we know from it so far that seems to be uh, commiserate 
with uh, the, the type of competitiveness that hopefully Indiana is capable of displaying this year. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I do sort of want to transition this into thinking about Indiana next season, because I think these two do kind of tie together a little bit. Like at some level, you know, the reason this game would be appealing to Arizona is it's a neutral site game in Las Vegas against a name opponent or get them on ESPN. But like, if Indiana was terrible, I don't think Arizona is interested in playing that game. You understand what I'm saying? So like, it, it, there is also the appeal of that's a good team. It was an NCAA tournament team a year ago. It looks like a team that should be better than it was a year ago, et cetera. But I think there's, there's a couple things to hit on first. First of all, um, looking back through the Ken Palm database, Archie Miller's only uh, top 100 strength of schedule per Ken Pomeroy in his four years on the job, if I'm not mistaken, was his last year. And it wasn't to say that he didn't try, uh, you know, I mean, that he had the Louisville game those first two years. They were always in the crossroads. They obviously were always in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. He got some Gavit games. I think it's a little bit of, and, and then in 2021, again, like, I don't think anybody wanted to be overly aggressive with setting up stuff that they didn't need to do. And there were complications because of COVID. And Indiana was also in Maui that year. So they played ultimately four, they only played seven non-conference games and four of them were Texas, Stanford, FSU, uh, or five of them, excuse me, were Providence, Texas, Stanford, FSU, and Butler. So like that was some of that, all, all, a lot of that was built in. But my, my broader point is sometimes you can say you're going to try and schedule hard and then you schedule a Louisville series and it turns out both of you are in rebuilding cycles or you, you, you schedule a, a Jimmy V classic type situation but then you wind up against a UConn team that, again, is in a bit of a rebuilding cycle, you know, early years under a head coach, UConn hat and transition back to the Big East, et cetera. So it's not always by choice that your schedules aren't strong, I guess is the point I'm trying to make. But there are ways that you can, you can sort of foolproof it. And one of those ways is to agree to go to Kansas. One of those ways is to, is to agree to go to Las Vegas to play Arizona, who you would imagine will probably bring more fans, not because IU fans don't travel, but simply because Las Vegas is in the same time zone as Tucson. And, you know, that's just, that's how geography works. Um, I'm sure there will be plenty of IU fans there as well. There have also been, there's also been talk, I know, and I won't go crazy about it, but there's been talk of Indiana playing in, in some MTE type events, um, in the South at some point in the not so distant future, there's been chatter about them getting back into another one of the, the, the sort of non-conference tournaments, not Maui. I don't think Atlantis. I think we're probably talking something more like either one of the ones in New York or maybe like down in Puerto Rico or something like that. But either way, putting, you know, at least in theory, quality games in your schedule early in the year it is something that can all kind of in a way build on itself where in the same way that when you're in the ACC big 10 challenge, if you're a good team, you get a better draw. And then if you get a better draw, you have a higher non-conference strength of schedule. You challenge yourself with these games. You have to win some of them that should go without saying, but you challenge yourself with some of these games and it can become sort of organic where all of a sudden it's like, yeah, this is the habit for Indiana that like Indiana expects to be playing at the Barkley center or the garden or you know, out in Vegas or wherever, you know, I mean, again, like a home and home with Kansas or a home and home with UCLA, or I'm just making this up at this point, but you get what I'm trying to say. And there is another advantage to this. And I said this, uh, I've said this, I said this recently, I said it when I wrote, and I also said it on uh, the radio with our good friend, Mike Glasgow, 
in the last couple of weeks, the Big Ten does not have necessarily the best reputation within the NBA. It, it can go up and down. And there's a feeling sometimes that the style of play that's encouraged in the NBA isn't conducive to, you know, allowing prospects to really showcase their skills. And, you know, that, that you know, at times it can, it can stifle players and things like that. Well, how do you counteract that? You say, yeah, we're going to play a big 10 schedule. You'll get tested. You'll get proven. You'll be on ESPN. You'll be on CBS, but also you're going to be, you're going to be in the game. It gets top billing the Saturday before Christmas, IU at Kansas. You're going to be out in Vegas in front of a bunch of NBA scouts playing Arizona. You know, so when you start, when you are intentional about adding stuff that is, again, sort of foolproof, and Louisville probably looked foolproof when they drew up the series. You know, Indiana was two Big Ten titles in four years. Rick Pitino had things you know, going really well until obviously he very much didn't uh, down in Louisville. But, you know, you, 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 if you are intentional about getting yourself into these games and putting yourself out there, it will test you for conference play. It will make you better and all those things. But it also, it is something that can kind of compound on itself in recruiting and expectations in all these different things to where, Again, you have to win some of these games, but it doesn't take a lot for this to become habitual, I guess is the best way for me to put it. I think a lot of it just comes down to walking the walk, I mean, quite frankly. You know, this is a program that, while it's been uh, somewhat adrift, uh, you know, for the majority of the last two decades, uh, they, they've made no bones about where they feel they belong, what the goals, what the objectives are. And that really hasn't wavered ever. You know, they, they have never been short on talking to talk. Um, obviously, you know, there's, there's a competitive side to that where they've, uh, they've fallen, you know, short of their own stated goals. Um, but now I think when you find a program that is, is perhaps in one of the better competitive shapes we've seen them in, at least in the last five plus years, um, it, it's, it's time to put your money where your mouth is, quite frankly. You know, Kennesaw State uh, is only going to do so much uh, for not just the program and the team, but for the brand itself. And I, I think what you see with some of these moves and the embrace of these moves just as much as, as anything, um, it's it's a program that's walking the walk. You know, they, they want to be a national contender. Go play some nationally competitive teams, uh, even when you're not forced to, you know, voluntarily. Um, it's not that they haven't tried to do that. In the past, but as you mentioned, you know the Louisville series. Um, not only did it fall short because of where the uh, the ships were crossing in the night, if you will, um, but also it, it just it was never going to be Kentucky as much as Indiana and Indiana fans wanted it to be. Um, while there's certainly a rivalry there, there's the the proximity, the geography, all of that. It's just not the same. It does not have the juice as as the Wildcats bring. And you know, I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing. It just it wasn't. And I, I think it was uh, a lot of folks expected it to deliver a little bit more from there. Now, I think part of the thing that's that's fascinating about these moves, um, you're going geographically where Indiana has it. And there's been so much focus um, from a league standpoint on this eastward migration of the Big Ten, you know, whether it be the addition of of uh, Rutgers in Maryland, uh, you know, staging tournaments, conference tournaments in D.C. and New York and whatnot. Um, you know, Indiana and the Big Ten have more naturally aligned with, you know, ACC schools. 
uh, with Big East schools in, in some of these dealings. So to go to go to the Big Twelve, to go to uh, the the Pac Ten, um, I, I think is is good for Indiana just to round itself out a little bit more because obviously there are some some style of play components that are going to vary. Um, you know, Indiana's part of the Big Ten in general is probably a little more closely aligned to what you see in the ACC than what you you currently see in the in the Big Twelve right now. So you know, adapting and and getting a little bit to that um, on your plate, I, I think, is only going to you know hopefully build uh, a, a more well-rounded program, a more well-rounded team, um, but also a more well-rounded national brand uh, that's continuing to uh, to kind of push its boundaries to the west rather than just eastward right now. And I, I think that's that's a net positive because um, you know quite frankly one of the reasons that Indiana continues to pull these games even when they're competitively not there or at least not on par with with uh, some of the matchups and you saw that a lot in the ACC Big Ten uh, challenge games they always seem to punch above their weight on an, in any given year it's because Indiana brings eyeballs Indiana brings a boatload of eyeballs to televisions um, during November during December and uh, that's attractive to networks you know, quite frankly so uh, you know, hopefully this year is one of the years where the stars align, where Indiana actually has a team that's, uh, that, that's on par with the expectation as far as its, its, uh, its competitiveness and its, uh, its placement in, uh, in a, a primetime marquee game on, on a national level. And there's also, I mean, I go back to the, the phrase being intentional, just in the sense that, like, I think there were, you know, the <clears throat> There are traditionalists who will say that they would just like to see Indiana schedule the way Indiana used to schedule, where they always played Kentucky, they always played Notre Dame, they always play. You know, I think Louisville was on the schedule a lot at, at one point in time. Again, you do need the other team interested in that. Like, I don't know that it necessarily does a lot for Notre Dame to constantly put Indiana on the schedule. If you understand what I'm saying, but. The, the solution to that is just say, okay, well then let's just go, you know, we'd rather be peers with, you know, this isn't 1982. We'd rather be peers with Arizona and Kansas and UCLA and, you know, Hey, maybe to some extent like Oregon, I mean, Oregon's a bit of a weird shout, but they've got the Nike strength behind them so that, you know, they always tend to recruit well. And um, you know, if like, I guess my point is, you don't have to think regional. You can think national and you can give yourself opportunities to play in those games. And I think you should still try to get the games in Indianapolis sometimes, you know, to get a game maybe in Chicago where you can, etc. I'm not saying abandon your, your home fan base, but, you know, find a way to get yourself into those games. Find your Find a way like those – those teams, to your point, those teams will still want to play Indiana. I mean, they just they just will. So if you want that, don't wait for, you know, don't wait for something to come along. Don't don't wait for like a CBS Sports Classic to come, you know, do it for you. Just just see if you can't do some of it yourself. And again, listen, you got to win these games. Like, like, I mean, there's there's a real path. I mean, there is. I don't know what – I don't know where Villanova landed uh, – has landed in the in, – in where Villanova fits, I should say, excuse me, in the the, the Gavit games 
situation. I don't think they played a home game last year, or I don't think they played a game in the Gabbitt games last year. In fact, I'm looking at their schedule now. I'm not sure they have appeared in the Gabbitt games either of the last two years. There's a world where I could see Indiana getting sent to Villanova in that game, in, in that series, and then getting UNC at home. And so your non-conference schedule includes at Villanova, at Kansas, UNC, Arizona, and neutral floor. Now, you go two and two in those games, you've had a great non-conference schedule, provided you don't screw up anywhere else. And you, and you can, you know, you play those four games, you can play Bloomington North, South, Edgewood, Owen Valley, for all I care, you know, to, to fill out the, like, that will hold up your non-conference strength of schedule. And we talk so much about, how non-conference strength of schedule is probably a, a big part of what weighed Indiana down on Selection Sunday and left them in Dayton this year and then flying all the way to Portland. But the broader idea is don't wait for an ACC Big Ten challenge to fill that, you know, to, to fill that void in your schedule. Go do it yourself. Challenge yourself. Now, you have to win the games. You know, not all of them, but you got to win enough that when you get to Selection Sunday, there's quality wins on your schedule. You get a higher seed. You go deeper into the tournament the next year. Expectations are raised. Recruiting is better. You play more of those games again. Like that, this is a constantly renewing thing. You never just you never just complete college basketball, but you have to give yourself these opportunities. And I think everyone understood why Mike Woodson approached the non-conference the way he did last year. But everyone was also looking for exactly what he's done here, which is being true to the to his his claim of. As soon as I think we're ready, we're going to level up, though. And that's what they've done here. And, again, it's just – it's kind of this idea that, like, I'm not saying play nothing but Arizona's and Kansas's all November and December, but a program like Indiana, unlike a lot of schools, even as far removed as it is from its last Final Four, from its last national championship, a program like Indiana – still has the ability to call a lot of its own shots in this sort of area. If Indiana wants games like this, Indiana can get games like this. It's maybe just not been quite so bold about it in the last few years. And I think it's encouraging if you're, if you're an Indiana fan, I think you should be encouraged that you're seeing this program take a different tack now. I, I think you hit it on the head. You talk about leveling up, um, you know, the, Assume for for the at least the sake of this conversation, the Kentucky ship has sailed for good, and it's never coming back. At least not while Calipari is there, uh, and I don't even know that that's necessarily the case. There was some some rumbling last year that that perhaps they would be interested in something like a Madison Square Garden type matchup. But for for purposes of of how you construct the schedule uh, in the near term, um, just forget that even existed. Uh, you know, putting Kansas on is is a solid, solid move. Um, if you look at replacing the Crossroads Classic with a matchup like Arizona and Vegas, uh, I think that is unquestionably, uh, it probably as high as you could realistically level that up, or it's at least very close to um, your best possible upgrade for that that weekend. Now, I, I, I do think that none of that matters if you go out there and get your butt kicked. Uh, obviously, you've got to be competitive, and and you know, ideally, you want to put some W's uh, on the record book because at the end of the day, this is uh, it's, it's the only reason that they they do this is, is to try to get some wins, uh, but more importantly, try to put themselves in a position where they can win in March. And as Indiana has seen uh, repeatedly in the last several years, and as Mike Woodson's now learned, uh, how you make these moves in November and December very much uh, affects. 
your outcome come Selection Sunday. So uh, I, I think what you see is a team that, again, uh, did level up, uh, that, that did put their money where their mouth is. And, you know, quite frankly, I think that's that's perhaps uh, very much a, a reflection of how they feel about the, their program and their bowl club as it stands right now and uh, what the expectations are going to be going forward. And that's, you know, quite frankly, that's everything we've heard for the last, you know, decade plus uh, coming out of uh, coming out of the administration, coming out of the locker room is this is a team that should be competing at the national level. And, and now they're, they're they're scheduling accordingly again. And I think it's important to, to note on their own voluntarily, not just because they have a uh, a prearranged contractual obligation where they're at the mercy of whoever the selection committee is. Let's let's kind of wrap there and just the idea of expectations. I think this does, you know, I don't think Mike Woodson is doing this solely because he thinks he's got a national championship contender on his hands. I think he's doing it because he wants to sort of set out a stool for saying, this is the, this is what I, this is how I envision Indiana challenging itself, but with or without Trace Jackson Davis, though certainly in particular with Trace Jackson Davis, I don't think Indiana goes four and oh, let's, let's say it is like either, let's say it's Villanova, Providence, I think the four names from the Big East I threw out in the piece I wrote were Villanova, Providence, Georgetown, Butler. Georgetown's terrible, but they are a big name. Butler would be the local flavor, would be interesting to people. You know, Indiana at Hinkle would be, you know, I think would be a, a big appeal. And then obviously Villanova and Providence are kind of the, either that, maybe UConn too. Those are kind of the standards of that league. Those three are the, the, the gold standard of the, the Big East right now. Let's say Indiana played one of those three, UNC at home, Arizona on neutral four, Kansas on the road, and won two of those games. That would be a great non-conference as long as they didn't screw anything else up. It does feel a little bit like this is also maybe reflective of Mike Woodson saying, we're going to be a good team. Let's not be afraid to challenge ourselves. I mean, that, that's literally what he said last year. I'm not going to schedule hard until I'm confident we're ready for it. Well, he's scheduling hard. He's scheduling very hard. And, I mean, probably in terms of marquee games – there's a decent chance Indiana is going to wind up with, at least in the preseason, before we know everything we need to know about these teams, as marquee of kind of a top line in the non-conference as anybody in the country, certainly anybody in the Big Ten. It says to me that Mike Woodson thinks his, his program is ready, if not necessarily to sweep those games, certainly to try and rise to those challenges and and to step into those, those matchups and understand this is where Indiana's going. You know, no bones about it. We need to be comfortable winning these games. We need to be comfortable going on the road and getting a result at a Villanova or a Kansas. We need to be comfortable playing Arizona on a neutral floor and saying we're going to hold our own, not in a one-off, not in a, my God, that was the best performance of the season, but in a way of saying this is what Indiana expects. You know, and, and, and you know, when, when you think back to some of those Bob Knight schedules, the other thing about having Notre Dame on the schedule every year was Notre Dame was pretty, pretty damn good a lot of those years under Digger Phelps. So now you're playing teams that are going to be pretty good just about all the time you play them. It does feel like this is a reflection with or without Trace Jackson Davis, though, of course, Mike Woodson would love to have him back and may well get him back. Um, that he thinks that this program is ready to start meeting that challenge, if for no reason other than maybe to understand this is, this is the level now. The level isn't Syracuse because we have to or Notre Dame because we want to play an indie in front of our fans. The level is the biggest games, the biggest stages, 30 NBA teams in the, in, in the, the seats, 
ESPN cameras, primetime, all that, the, the, the eyes of the country on us tonight, the, this is the expectation. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's that's perfectly fair. And I think, quite frankly, um, you know, that's that's the message that I would imagine that they're they're spreading when it when it comes to the recruiting front, uh, both externally as well as internally. Um, you know, Trace, why do you need to stay here? Well, not only are we going to do all this to help develop your game, we're going to showcase your game and we're going to showcase it at the at the biggest stage available to us. Um, how do you get Malik Renault to to, you know, rather hurriedly decide this is where he's going to spend however many days he has in college? Very same argument. Um, I, I think that's that's something that's worth embracing uh, if you're Mike Woodson, if you're Scott Dolson. Uh, and for that matter, if you're anybody that's putting the jersey on or part of the program, uh, quite frankly, um, I, I think that that's something that Indiana has to do, that they have to lean into uh, if they truly ever going to actualize, uh, again, their stated aspirations of being a team that, that's capable of competing on the national level uh, on a consistent basis. Um, you, you again, and I hate to keep beating the same drum, you have to walk that walk. Uh, quite frankly, if, if you're ever going to be taken seriously. And this is obviously not something that Indiana has has really wavered from um, ever since Bob Knight left. And that's that's pretty much what what leads us here to this point is you're still you know looking at a program that's trying to figure out who it is and how it fits in this modern era, uh, both of basketball, but in the post night era uh, of what Indiana basketball means and how it matters. Um, but I, I think at the end of the day, you see a schedule going forward that, you know, if, if we use the uh, the group that, that that you proposed just previously, you know, that would be the group of death or the bracket of death uh, if those four teams were in any side of a uh, an NCAA regional. I mean, that's that's four of the top 16 teams from last year, at least in Ken Palm. Um, extraordinarily competitive, uh, and I'm not going to portend that I have any idea who any of those guys have coming back or who they're losing uh, right offhand. Uh, but what I do know um, is they are year in, year out, uh, able to compete at, at the tops of the conference and at the top of the country. And for Indiana to uh, to move back into that echelon of uh, the NCAA hierarchy, you've got to be willing to embrace those types of matchups and you know hopefully have a team that's capable of competing uh on those stages yeah i think i mean i i would just i'll i'll snag the last word and just i think maybe playing off of something you said that maybe the best way to clarify my own thoughts is for a long time indiana has talked about being a program of this level of this caliber you know and for long, when i say for a long time i mean basically since i've been aware of value basketball in a meaningful way, which is starting the fall of my freshman year in 2005. Um, not often. And again, I think Indiana's tried at times to walk that walk as much as they talked it. And sometimes they've failed. Sometimes they've stumbled. Sometimes maybe they have only talked the talk and not been as good at walking the walk. This is Indiana trying to walk the walk. And they, they got to win the games. I, I don't dispute that. Not all of them, but at least some of them. And maybe not just this season, but just in general, in the next two, three, four, five years. But this is Indiana trying to walk the walk and trying to, to reset that expectation, not just with words, but with actions. So uh, this has been Mind Your Banners for May 18th, 2022. He is Chronic Hoosier. I'm Zach Osterman. Thank you so much for listening. 
I promise we'll be doing a few of these through the summer. You know, I don't know if we'll be quite weekly uh, like we are during the year. Sometimes we're even semi-weekly during the year. Um, but there's still quite a bit to talk about, and I suspect there will be more as we kind of gear back up in June and July toward recruiting and off-season workouts and things like that. So stick with us. For the Annapolis Star, the Bloomington Herald Times, I'm Zach Osterman. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon.